righty, it is morning sports desk time on this Friday, November 3rd. Hold on here. I am all out of sorts. What kind of morning are we trying to deal with here on KWAD and the morning sports desk? And I need to do this. We've got CJ patched in. How are you this morning, CJ? Pretty darn good, Corey. A lit, uh, it's a little uh, full morning of uh, sports yesterday, or I guess early afternoon, and then we had, because uh, we had the Fargo Dome game with OTC and Border West, and then, of course, we had Wadena Deer Creek Volleyball against uh, East Grand Forks from DGF, and I got two more games at the Fargo Dome today, so uh, it never stops here with our sports coverage. All right, so I'm going to try to make one more phone call. While I do that, CJ, I'm going to give you the floor because yesterday our very first section championship coverage of the day saw the Outer Tail Central Bulldogs punch their ticket to the state football tournament. Why don't you give us a little review of that football game? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, these are two teams that played once in the regular season. Ottertail Central did beat Border West. Uh, the interesting pretext for this game is that uh, it's the first time that Border West and OTC have met at the Fargo Dome, but at the same time, both teams are very familiar with the stage. I mean, Ottertail Central has been to the Fargo Dome a few times over the last five to ten years here, and uh, we're here last year, and as a Section 6A team, they dropped down to nine-man this year, and they've been a very good football team. They were, I believe, nine and zero coming into the coming into this game, and they've just basically beaten everybody in their path uh, to this point. But now they're doing it for the first time as a nine-man team. Border West is a consolidation of Wheaton, Herman, Norcross, and Clinton, Graceville, Beardsley. So them coming together and doing some stuff, uh, uh, you know, nothing new for them to be in this spot because Wheaton, Herman, Norcross was there a year ago and, in fact, the last couple of years. Uh, so it's kind of a fresh coat of paint on uh, both these programs, but having them come to the Fargo Dome was an interesting uh, matchup. But... Once the game got going, OTC just took care of business. I yeah. mean, uh, Border West had some good moments. They made a few plays here and there. But ultimately, uh, the front, the line of Ottertail Central and the running of Lane Dilly pretty much put it away. I mean, that's the story of the game. Once things got going, head coach for OTC, Eric Olson, pretty much just uh, rode the hot hand of Lane Dilly for the rest of the game. He ended up having 40 carries, Corey, for 220 yards and also had four touchdowns. I don't know if you could uh, have a better game realistically. Yeah, it was it's it's pretty simple. Football's a pretty simple game when you can run the ball that way. There's there's really no other story to it. If you can run the ball that efficiently, why would you even mess around with anything else? <laughs> Right, exactly. And, you know, they also had some good runs uh, uh, from their other running backs. They also uh, they only passed the ball, I believe, about four or five times, but they were efficient in the passing game. They got passes when they needed to. Uh, Dilly caught a couple passes. Mason DeLugie caught a couple passes as well. Uh, and the important thing about DeLugie was is he got a couple interceptions, mm -hmm. and they both came at really key times. One came right at the end of the first half when it was a, th when it was a technically a two-touchdown, two 
two two-point conversion lead for Ottertail Central, and Border West was driving down. They could have had a chance to make it a one-possession game going into halftime, and at the final play of the half, Delugi gets an interception in the end zone to end the Border West threat. And then later in the early fourth quarter, when it feels like Border West is trying to chip their way back into this one, uh, Delugi gets an interception again and basically puts the game on ice. OTC would go down and score a touchdown to, to really put it out of reach, but that was kind of the last gasp for Border West, and Delugi got the interception. So their defensive and offensive fronts have been doing really well. Uh, that's a good Border West football team, and uh, now OTC is going to go into the state tournament. We still don't know, Corey, who they're going to play, but we do know that Ottertail Central will be down in Buffalo on Thursday, and that's going to be their first round matchup in the state tournament. That's right. It's the uh, Section 2 winner that they await. That game is being played tonight. You were busy yesterday. You didn't have to travel too far down the road. You came back into Minnesota and over to Glendon for 8 AA playoff volleyball. Then uh, in the uh, early portion of the evening, it was Wadena Deer Creek and East Grand Forks, and, and from the sounds of it, it seems like the Wolverines just took care business yeah you know uh it uh it was interesting i was talking to coach sue volkman and i said you know when's the last time that you played east grand forks and uh i don't even she didn't have uh like a for sure number she said she believes it was like around 2008 was the last time that these two teams have played each other and uh they got this game going here from dgf uh first time getting to check out that gym it's super nice there yeah Uh, and uh Basically, here's how the first two sets went, and it was almost identical. Uh, East Grand Forks would jump out to like a 4-1 lead, and then the Wolverines would slowly chip back. It'd be like 5-5, and then all of a sudden you'd blink, and Wadena Deer Creek would be up 17-12, to or, or excuse me, they'd be up 17-7 to or something like that. They'd just take like a massive 10-point run, and both of which were led on a service run by Addison Gravel, and Lola Pulver finished with 15 kills throughout the game. She had a great uh, match last night, uh, but the the Wolverines won the first two sets, both by the same score, 25-13, and East Grand made it a little closer in that final set, but the Wolverines won 25-23, so the Wolverines were the three-seed, beat the two-seeded East Grand Forks Green Wave, who took Holly to five sets. They were a good volleyball team, and they uh, lost to Perham, I believe, three sets to one, but over on the other side of the bracket, on the same court right after that game, Perham beat Holly, and now we have a rematch of two Highway 10 rivals in Perham and Wadena Deer Creek for that section final in Pelican Rapids on Saturday night. Uh, that atmosphere, Corey, is going to be pretty good. And also, by the way, a rematch of last year's Section 8 AA basketball uh, championship in girls basketball. So uh, these, these girls have seen a lot of each other. And there are the three four seeds in that section. So the top two seeds mm-hmm. eliminated in that uh, uh, section semifinal yesterday. I had section 5A volleyball, CJ, and I had a late one last night over at Crosby Ironton and Dave Galovich Gymnasium. Uh, the uh, first match of the night saw Pine River Bacchus beat Malax in four and uh, the Tigers played well to punch their ticket. The game I was there to cover was the Nevis Tigers and the Verndale Pirates, and uh, the Nevis Tigers, the one seed on that half of the subsection, or that half of the section, I should say. The Verndale Pirates are the uh, three seed, and I'll tell you what, this game and this match looked like it was going to be over in an absolute flourish. Nevis came out and, and just 
dominated set number one and two. And you're just like, you're starting to look at the clock and you're like, boy, I just, I, I don't see how this goes any other way. Then we're just out of here in three. And then the Verndale Pirates showed up and actually, <laughs> like, they as bad as they got beat in the first two sets, they beat Nevis in set number three. It was, showed some really good, like, like perseverance in that uh, in that third match, there was uh, one particular standout for Nevis. I thought in the uh, match last night, and that was senior Olivia Olson. She went out, landed on an ankle or something. There was uh, kind of like a uh, a loose ball right at the net, and the point was over. Uh, Kaylee Bessler of Nevis was on the ground, and she actually crossed underneath the net. And Olivia Olson for the Pirates landed on her and, and turned her ankle pretty bad. I mean, she looked right at Coach Johnson and said, I need to get out of here right now. <laughs> and she walked off under her own power and went right over to the bench to get it taped and then spent basically the remainder of the match when she wasn't on the floor pacing behind her bench just trying to keep that ankle loose and she was up and moving and she uh, when it came time to when she was feeling okay she looked right back at coach Johnson and said put me back in I'm ready to roll so she really toughed out I I think she's probably hurting this morning um that is not a uh, that's not a fun one that's the scary thing about volleyball is you can come down on someone across the net and uh, and she fought through it and played I thought really well the standout player of course for the Nevis Tigers though was Kaylee Bessler at her for 26 kills on the night and she is just straight up dynamic that is an understatement to say the least but it's the two top seeds now uh in each subsection playing for that 5a championship nevis and pine river bacchus they're the top two teams in the northland conference they're now the top two teams in section 5a and they'll play for a, a right to the state tournament on saturday of course cj our coverage isn't done nope you're going to be busy at the fargo dome again today uh, uh, do you want to run through this uh, this preview or this schedule, or do you want me to run through it since I'm looking at it? Yeah, you're looking at it. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we do that? Okay, it gets going with the six A championship. Uh, this is football, and it is Parker's Prairie versus New York Mills. Of course, the interesting thing about this one is Parker's Prairie is the one seed, but those New York Mills Eagles, CJ, sixth in the section. Mm-hmm. Pretty in, uh, incredible what the Eagles have been able to put together to get to this section championship. It's a 12-10 pregame with a 12:30 kickoff on 105.9 FM, the Superstation K106. Then on uh, KNSP, the Fan, that's AM 1430 and 98.5 FM. It is the six AA football championship: Staples Motley versus Osakis. The Silver Streaks, the one seed; the Cardinals, the three seed. Scheduled for a 2:40 pregame. And a three o'clock kickoff. Now, CJ, I know you had the opportunity to talk to both Coach Johnson of the Panthers and Radnicky, Coach Radnicky of the Eagles. Uh, what is kind of the overarching theme as you prepare for that six A championship today? Well, talking with both head coaches, uh, it really uh, just if we're talking on the field, 
it, it's really going to be a contrasting style. So, of course, New York Mills, they've been in this position. They were in the Fargo Dome a couple of years ago on their way to the uh, state quarterfinal game, and it's the same brand of football that they like to play. They want to grind you into dust. They want to run the football. They want to not turn the ball over. And Coach Radnicki said, you know, you know, earlier in the year we've talked to him, Corey, he said, we're the Minnesota Vikings. You know, we've put good football together, yeah, but yeah, we turned the ball right. over four times. We're going to lose. And he said that they've done a much better job controlling the football, controlling the things that they can control and it's been leading to some wins and uh, that's kind of the style of football they play. For the Panthers it's been a different story. They've just had a good year uh, all season long and um, their style is a little more, you know, uh, not that they don't run the football. They have some good running backs, but they also can get you with the big plays. They can be a team that can pop one off on you, whereas New York Mills is just looking to kind of go three yards in a cloud of dust. So it'll be interesting to see uh, those contrasting styles there. But I think both coaches will tell you that they're looking for some big plays uh, in this game. So uh, expect to see a lot of running. Uh, but for Parker's Prairie, they the last time they were at the Fargo Dome, according to head coach Mike Johnson, was 2016. So I was a senior in high school in 2015, so I would have been a freshman in college in the uh, in the fall of 16. And the last time that Parker's Prairie made the state tournament, according to Parker's Prairie Panthers head coach Mike Johnson, was 2003. So this team is working to try and make a little bit of history here. And then Staples, Motley, and Osakis is the 6AA championship on the fan. Uh, looking forward to a really fun uh, matchup, obviously, with that one. Tyler Grunwald will have the play-by-play. I know he's going to be there to help a little bit with the 6A championship, and then you guys will do a little role reversal for the 6AA title tilt. Before I let you get out of here, CJ, a, a few things uh, we want to cover statewide. Just very, very quickly, um, the Twins... Um, extended i guess or or extended the option picked up what, the option picked up the option on max kepler and jorge polanco so they're around for another season to uh a kind of a bounce back year for max kepler especially offensively but uh, uh just keeping options open for the twins aren't they with with those extensions yeah, I think basically the biggest thing is that those two guys, one, they're the longest tenured twins. Jorge Polanco's been a Minnesota twin since 2014, but those guys have been in the twins organization since they were signed out of high school at like 16 years old in 2009. Right. They've been with the twins forever. And for those guys to get their options picked up, I mean, the reality is is that a $10 million for Max Kepler is a steal because if you're going to go sign a free agent outfielder, Joey Gallo cost $13 million last year. So, right. And the same thing with Jorge Polanco. Their contracts are very team friendly they picked them up that doesn't mean that they're not going to trade Polanco or Kepler they can still do that but what it means is they had two cheap veterans who they could keep around if they wanted and it seemed like a no-brainer and it was so glad to have both those guys back for next year and the Vikings are on the road at Atlanta this weekend 11 o'clock pregame noontime kickoff on the Superstation K106 um, Atlanta's not great but they're feisty and weird Obviously, the mm-hmm. Vikings going through some tumult right now with the loss of their quarterback. Jaron Hall will get the start on Sunday. Um, uh, is it? Do you have a gut feeling about Sunday, or is it just let's just ride this wave and see what happens? I get a gut feeling that the game is going to be kind of ugly to start out. 
like in the very first few drives. But two, one of two things is going to happen. Either the wheels are going to completely fall off the bus for the Vikings <laughs> on Sunday, or Jaron Hall can at least kind of pick himself up and just make enough throws to keep the Vikings competitive. That's a good Atlanta Falcons defense. And keep in mind, uh, old friend Taylor Heineke is going to be starting for the Atlanta Falcons. That's but right. uh, Brian Flores has that defense rocking right now. I think he can at least get enough pressure to kind of keep Heineke off his game. Heineke will throw you a couple interceptions if you're ready for it. So uh, I think that uh, it's going to be an ugly football game. But how weird it gets for the Vikings will kind of just depend on how well Jaron Hall does. CJ, have a good call later this afternoon. We'll check you later. Thanks for joining us this morning remotely from, let's just call it the Fargo Dome. We'll talk to you later. That's the morning sports desk for Friday, November 3rd.